0: Women podcast brought to you by Women's Health and Wellbeing Services. My name is Melanie Robson, and I'm your host again today. And today I have another wonderful guest. Her name is Vicky, and she's uh, she's along today to talk about her journey um, to becoming a mother using egg donors um, to help with her conception. Because I understand she went through obviously some difficulties with fertility, so. We're, I'm very excited to have you on today and hear about that, that process. Welcome, Vicky. Thank you, Melanie. Hello. Um, yeah, so I guess I'll just hand over to you now and um, ask you to introduce yourself and maybe start where you'd like to start in terms of that whole, you know, it sounds like a, a bit of a tough journey and how that came about for you, if that would be Okay.
1: Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. No worries. Um, So, I'm a Perth mum Mm -hmm. and I'm 46 years of age. Mm -hmm. Uh, At 32, I was diagnosed with premature ovarian failure. Some people refer to it as early menopause, but generally, early menopause is for women that are over the age of 40. So, prior to um, periods, prior to that age and period ceasing, Mm -hmm. um, it's referred to as um, premature ovarian failure. And right. you didn't—you so didn't, you didn't know
0: prior to trying no, to fall pregnant. You had no. No. Yeah.
1: I was on the pill for many years, mm-hmm. so as you know, mm-hmm. the pill disguises a lot of things that are going on in our body, and our periods are actually mm-hmm. our, um, our our dashboard, our warning system of mm-hmm. what's going on with our body. So mm-hmm. my body wasn't able to tell me that anything was going wrong because I was disguising mm-hmm. it by using the pill. Yep. So when I um, and prior to going on the pill, I had beautiful regular periods with no pain and 28 days on the dot and all those (laughs) things and I miss my beautiful periods um
0: (laughs) that's so lovely to hear often you hear women say oh my god the worst thing ever and for some women they absolutely are but But
1: that's really refreshing absolutely but I think that people uh, women don't realize that Mm. when they're not um relatively pleasant Mm. that's something their body telling you something is not right and it needs to be investigated yeah. so i think it's really really important for women to take note of that as well but yeah anyway yes. so yeah. i went on the pill thinking because you know we don't want to have a pregnancy little yeah. did i know that you're only actually fertile you know 48 72 hours um so yeah. let's just put put yep. me on the pill for yep. the whole of the month anyway i get it so yep. I went off the pill thinking, oh, well, I'll just come off the pill in the next month. We're going to Fiji on a holiday. Next <laughs> month I'll come back pregnant. All we'll will be well with the world. Um, fair no. assumption. <laughs> fair. I think that's a fair <laughs> assumption because we, we, I think yeah. as women
0: we live with this chronic fear of falling pregnant, you know, when we don't yes. want to be feeling falling pregnant and we just assume, why wouldn't we, that, oh, Lordy, if you're not on the pill or doing something, man, you're going to be popping out those babies. So why wouldn't you exactly. think that? You know, fair enough.
1: exactly and so we've been telling our subconscious all those years i don't want a baby i don't want a baby i don't want a baby Mm. and then when we've gone okay i'm waiting for a baby now
0: things Mm. can go awry
1: Mm. so Mm. there's something i think you know energetically um Mm. you know that women need to consider about that part of Mm. um their fertility but that's a whole other conversation uh so okay anyway. So my period didn't come back and it was probably about uh, nine months into things. So I went to my GP mm-hmm. and he said, oh, yeah, no, that's, not, um, that's not normal. I'll refer you to a, um, an endocrinologist. So I had some yeah. further testing mm-hmm. and basically in my first meeting with her was she told me, sorry, you've got early menopause mm-hmm. and the only way that you'll ever become a mum is through egg donation.
0: What was, so what was that, like to that kind of yeah
1: put me in a bit of a tailspin at 32 years of age, thinking that you would have no issues with becoming a mother when you had no menstrual issues before. Yeah. And so it took. Uh, that was in early 2007. Yep. So it took um, probably three years for me to wow. come to terms with the fact that. I wasn't going to have biological children and that to become a mum, I would need some help. So wow. um, yeah. in those three years, I did, you know, a lot of, um, you know, integrative doctors mm-hmm. and acupuncturists and herbalists and mm-hmm. naturopaths and, mm-hmm. you know, every healing modality that you could think of, but um, I didn't, my ovaries didn't um, wake up. So um yeah so it took a while and I I tried all the things and I know a few different things now that I just didn't know back then you don't know what you Um, don't know do you I mean yeah exactly so you know you live learn, and that's why I like to tell my story because Mm. then I'm hoping that other women can try it from a different angle that I didn't try back then um and you know and in the hope that they can reverse their diagnosis Mm -hmm. um but anyway uh Yeah, so I was really fortunate in Mm -hmm. um, 2010 Mm -hmm. that we had the opportunity to um, receive eggs from an anonymous egg donor through a particular clinic in Perth Mm -hmm. Um, and -hmm. we tried that. Um, We had three eggs, Mm -hmm. no, sorry, four eggs, Mm -hmm. three fertilised but only um, one made it to day three, and they implanted wow. that, but sadly, I miscarried that at six weeks. Oh gosh! So then we are back to the drawing board. Yeah.
0: So this was with your 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 partner's sperm, and yes, the egg exactly donor. Yes.
1: Um, and it's you know it's a long wait list yep. for the um for the eggs, yep. and this particular clinic did egg sharing, so I think oh. you know there was a number of eggs that were shared a, amongst a number of women, which. It's great in one sense, but in the other sense, it doesn't give you a lot of chances. Mm, Um, mm -hmm. So we were back to the drawing board and uh, the next step was we were looking at South Africa. So a lot of women from Perth go to South Africa for egg donors Mm -hmm. because, you know, they don't get paid a lot of money or anything for it. I think it's equivalent to 700 Australian or it was back then. Wow. Um, So it's mostly, you know, altruistic women that are doing it. Yep. Uh, but it's a big expense. It's a really big expense to go. And, you know, know, as I knew, you you go and have your transfer and then if that doesn't work, you've got to go all the way back there again. So anyway, we were at the point of, um using an agency to choose a donor mm. and we'd you know chosen a clinic and everything mm-hmm. and I was in a support an online support group here in Australia and they were fantastic. They've they've closed now which is sad. Mm. There is another um, forum that's similar that's up and running but um, it was called Aussie Egg Donors at the time. Mm. And I met so it has both donors and recipients in that group. Yeah and you could advertise in there and I wasn't successful finding someone through there, but um, it gave me a lot of courage to post in some public forums. So, I advertised on Essential Baby and Mm. BubHub. I don't even know if they're still going. I think Essential Baby is. still running. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Mm. So, that was a bit scary because it's very public, whereas the other forum was it was just, you know, it was a private members only sort of thing. Mm. Um, but anyway, a lovely lady answered my ad and she was relatively close by to where we lived. Mm-hmm. And she was a midwife and she um worked in a hospital where um it was lower socioeconomic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was a lot of women that would come in for, you know, a number of their children. Yeah. And this particular birth she attended, um, this lady was having her tenth baby. And mm. it was going to be the 10th baby that was going to be taken away from her and put into child into um, yeah. Yeah. child services. Yes. So yeah. she was just really frustrated at the situation mm. that these you mm. know, women sadly were having all of these babies mm. and there mm. was a lot of women out there as well that were having a lot of heartbreaking mm. um, situations with not able to conceive or stillbirth, things mm. like that. So yeah. Mm. Um, yeah for some reason my ad came across her radar and she hadn't um looked at donating before but Mm -hmm. yeah so she she donated so yeah wow
0: and so she that was the beginning of it yeah in
1: 2010 um Uh,
0: sorry 2011 2011 and obviously that was a successful pregnancy
1: um so we had a so on our first transfer we Mm -hmm. I had two embryos transferred which Mm my um my Ari at the time wasn't too (laughs) too happy with that but he would do anything for me he was so lovely Mm -hmm. anyway um I was pregnant and I was like Mm -hmm. okay we might be having twins and um sadly I started bleeding and Oh. when they looked at the numbers of the htg they thought that i had lost one embryo right. and it looked like the other one was hanging in there mm-hmm. and then we went for the heartbeat scan and we realized that there was no heartbeat so mm-hmm. i had a miscarriage um it was eight weeks at the time wow. so we lost that so then we were back to the drawing board mm-hmm. and so as that was kind of the third embryo that I've that I'd lost Mm. um my functional doctor Mm -hmm. looked at things a bit deeper and realized that because I had adrenal fatigue that any progesterone that was being supplemented Mm -hmm. um which because you're on um progesterone um pessaries mm-hmm. that it was just being converted into cortisol so my back there was no progesterone left to actually maintain the pregnancy and the reason why a lot of women miscarry mm-hmm. is because they are so low in um progesterone mm-hmm. what do so you know what causes that what adrenal fatigue adrenal fatigue so yeah, it's right. basically 21st century stress yep. we, uh, absolutely. yeah
0: absolutely yeah
1: yeah so with um mm-hmm. the extra um Oh, mm-hmm. I was put on uh, cortisone, so steroids to stop that progesterone wastage. Right. Um, but I ended up being on really high doses of progesterone. The usual dose during a uh, after you know a transfer is about four hundred milligrams a day. Mm-hmm. I was on twelve hundred milligrams a day.
0: So, triple, so it
1: was yeah, it, it was high and it was very expensive. It was like thirty dollars a day worth of pessaries, you know, it was was crazy the expense Mm. um, that we went through. Mm. But anyway, um, it's what kept Zoe. So Mm. um, Zoe was born in May
0: 2012.
1: Yep. And then a couple of years um, down the track, I was like, well, we've got a couple of embryos left. Let's (laughs) give it another go. Yeah. Sadly, uh, one didn't. Take it all, and the other one was a chemical pregnancy.
0: What's that? Um, What's a chemical
1: so pregnancy? So it's when your your body's indicated that there is a successful pregnancy, in that mm-hmm. there is a HCG reading, but it's not actually the embryo has an implant, implanted. Implanter that hasn't taken, mm-hmm. so it didn't work. Uh, can you? And then um, sorry, sorry.
0: I, I went. Yeah, the HCG. Can you talk just for anyone who's listening and doesn't really know what is that and why is that important? Do you, would you mind talking so, a bit through?
1: That's what the, I can't remember the long scientific <laughs> name of what HCG stands for, sorry, no, but okay. um, it's basically the chemical that's given off by the embryo to say that it's starting to grow. So mm-hmm. um, they call it a beta test or mm-hmm. uh, a beta reading and that uh, HCG needs to basically double every day for a certain period Right, um, and that's when you realise that the embryo is starting to grow, getting stronger and implanting, so... Mm-hmm.
0: So that's yeah, in, so that, you can see that in a blood test and a, and a urine test, Yes, yeah.
1: That's a uh, test.
0: Yeah. Blood test, blood, blood test. test. Yeah. 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 Right, right, right. And yeah. that needs to be like going, increasing quite dramatically, as you said, every day. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly right.
1: Okay. Um, so, so yeah, so then we're yeah. back to the drawing board and mm-hmm. asked our donor to do another cycle if she would. Done. Yes. And thankfully she said yes. And so... Mm-hmm. Um yeah, that's when we started trying for number two. Ah,
0: and that was eventually successful, number
1: two. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So we had um there were some issues there with getting things going. Um I was having some lining issues and um the first embryo that we tried didn't take at all and it was just so unusual because I'd always Mm. I was fine with falling pregnant. Was keeping the pregnancies, so um, we did. Um, oh, I think it was called a hysteroscopy, which is to actually see if there's anything going on with the uterus, see if there's any mm-hmm. fibroids mm-hmm. or anything mm-hmm. like that, which would be unusual because mm-hmm. there was kind of nothing happening in my <laughs> in my uterus, <laughs> but um, in my ovaries. But yeah. anyway, I did some exploratory services, and they do what's called an endometrial scratch, yes, yeah. to uh-huh. scratch the endometrial lining Mm. to activate kind of a healing process and that can make um, implantation a bit better so Mm. i had a scratch and then um yeah we had another transfer and that's when yeah i did um fall pregnant with with levi and i was doing Mm -hmm. because i knew what the progesterone issues were Mm. i then moved from pessaries i'd done some research and in south africa and america they all use progesterone in oil so it's an intramuscular oh. injection that you do um, in the sort of the upper part of your um, buttocks, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's progesterone going, you know, right into the bloodstream.
0: Right. Okay. And that has been found to be a bit more effective than the the pessary. Mm-hmm. And the um, exactly a pessary
1: for those that don't
0: know, that's like a, it's like a dissolvable tablet. Yeah. That you.
1: Yeah. It's like it's like a little wax bullet so yes. yeah it's yeah. the progesterone is in in wax and mm. you insert it um vaginally and it yeah it gets melts absorbed and it, it's absorbed by the system yeah. by your body
0: yeah. mm-hmm. that that's really yeah. interesting because it's reminding me as you're talking i'm i remember um i've got a family member who i won't say who in case she happens to be listening but uh she uh-huh. was struggling to fall pregnant with her second in her early 40s and uh ivf and whatnot um And then was basically told, it's not going to work, that's it, you're too old, whatever kind of thing. She did some research online and there was something about progesterone. That's why I'm thinking, this is ringing some bells. And so she and acupuncture, and I told her about acupuncture, I said, I think acupuncture is... Uh, well, there's research Absolutely. for fertility and gynecological issues can be really effective. It's not just woo-woo. I'm like, I'm serious. Like, <laughs> so she, she did that and I'm sure she took some progesterone or got her hands on some. She's had Now she's had a second baby. So, but uh, it, it frustrated me that she was told in terms of a medical standpoint, that's kind of it for you. Like, no, you can't, we have to close that. You have to close that door uh, and potentially she wouldn't have fallen pregnant if she hadn't you know been able to do some research and I don't uh, you you know I don't know you
1: have to empower yourself you do you you have to empower yourself yeah yeah and you know and fortunately in today's day and age which is very Mm. different to when I was going through it Mm. there's an Instagram person that has a certain situation no that's going to be exactly like you yeah and you can kind of learn from each other, whereas oh, yeah, I just didn't have that back then. No. But um, and but there yeah, wasn't definitely. even that.
0: There wasn't even that long ago. That was only a few years ago. We're not talking twenty. We're talking. I mean, how old I are your kids now? Eight and four.
1: Things you? have really changed yes. so quickly. Yes. So quickly. Um, but yeah, definitely. My advice to to anyone listening is to go with your gut instinct mm. and don't take what one mm. doctor, two doctors, three doctors have said. Yep. go and do your own research.
0: Yeah, like you yeah. said, it's I think that's much more empowering too. I guess it's a a tricky kind of balance. I imagine having not gone through that experience, for, fortunately, you know, of when do you go, when do you concede defeat? Shall shall I say, like when do you? I don't, you know, be willing to. I don't know, go through that grief process, you know, to or do you keep going? I mean, how because uh, I imagine emotionally, financially, physically, you know, on the relationship, it must be a huge topic potentially. Is.
1: Yeah, it is huge, and uh, there's not a lot of uh infrastructure around, mm-hmm. I think, the, the grief side of things and the trauma that mm. goes with. You know a cycle not working or Mm -hmm. you know um, miscarriage or you know any heartbreaking situation along that journey you know Mm -hmm. you've got your mandatory counseling at the beginning of Mm -hmm. um the process especially with um you know egg or sperm donation because Mm -hmm. everyone involved had to has to be on board and understand there's a whole host of Mm -hmm. you know situations that you have to discuss and um my egg donor's husband had to be involved in that counseling as well yep um and and she obviously spoke to her children who were young at the time but you know let them know what was going on as well Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. uh yeah so you have like your mandatory three-month cooling off period Mm. you have you know another counseling session to wrap that cooling period off, make sure everyone's, you know, happy, any questions, and then you can start the cycle. Um,
0: is that it? sorry, is that a counselling session it. with everyone in the room?
1: So separate? you have a separate, right. um, yeah, separate session. Right. And then at the end you have, yet yeah, one all together and right,
0: um, right.
1: make sure everyone's happy. Yeah. But that's kind of it. And it's all very much, you know, relatively textbook Mm. but it it doesn't really deal with the emotional aspect i guess for Mm. the recipient and also the egg donor as well Mm -hmm. um Mm. so yes i definitely think that that's you know it's an area that may have changed a bit now i mean i've been out of it for what nearly you know four and a half five years i suppose Mm. um Mm. but back then yeah you know the, the clinic didn't really offer anything else and I can remember, you know, one or two sort of specialised counsellors for IVF, but, you know, Mm. egg donation is just such a unique situation as well. Yeah. I think most of my support and still to this day I've made some really good friends out of that online forum that I was in Mm. that are actually Perth-based and, Mm -hmm. you know, we still have great friendships and our kids play together and, you know, we kind of just... You know, talk to each other about things. But, but yeah, there's, there's a whole grief trauma process. And even to this day, you know, I'm still, you know, I'm thrilled when I hear about someone's pregnancy, but you still get that little sting.
0: Yeah. You know, yeah. It must never, even after
1: all these years, go away. Yeah. It just doesn't. And I don't know whether it ever will. And you have to kind of make peace with that too. That's
0: it. I think, I, I think that's the thing with grief. It's once, once, once you enter that, world of grief that object i'm just going to call it that so i can't think of anything else to say it's there forever it's now part of you it's like you've grown something new um and you have to kind of then shape your life around it in a way and it and it, you can't ignore it you have to honor it it's like another little it's kind of like you've given birth to something quite weirdly and yes you, you, you have to yeah it uh, otherwise that will eat eat you alive I think and then and then potentially infect the new stuff that you have going on you know it's 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 difficult though I imagine that's just an ongoing pain like you said
1: that kind of yeah there it is again you know and (laughs) you have to do the work you have to do the work work. it's it's not something that is just going to go away overnight and you have to either, you know, whatever that is for you, whether it's, um, mm. you know, exercise or hobby or meditation or, mm. you know, a, a modality that that helps you just to mm. release any stuck emotions and mm. just process as things come up and it'll always come up, but it's just that you've got to acknowledge it, love it, and let it go, touch mm. it and let it go. Mm. Mm, mm,
0: mm. Yeah. Um. It's in, I've. I've it's, that's interesting the concept of trauma you know through the through the process of I've, I've certainly heard of the the roller coaster of emotions and the mm. the costs in all areas of life but there's kind of it's like these ongoing it sounds like this kind of ongoing traumas that you experience you know that I imagine can be cumulative
1: you know and absolutely mm. from that first diagnosis to whatever you know whatever the situation is mm. for me it was obviously being told that you know, I couldn't have my own bi- biological children. Um, mm. To you know, going through yeah. finding a donor, and yeah. you know, and a lot of women go through a number of donors, and mm. you know, that's there's yeah. trauma attached to each and every one of those situations, and and then you go through. Pregnancy and birth, mm-hmm. and depending on what type of birth you have, and then breastfeeding issues, and, <laughs> and there's just, and then obviously you've got your own family and relationship stuff that's all chucked in the mix as well. Um, work situations, it's, how yeah,
0: do you, ju- how do you, it's a lot we juggle. have to navigate. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, i um, I'm curious about was it was it um, in terms of say your relationship? Did that put pressure on things or stress or how did you guys navigate that as you were saying that to yeah, navigate no, it is navigation I it's a
1: huge amount of mm. financial stress mm-hmm. and in the beginning when you're just double income no kids it's sure. manageable yeah okay you're not going on holidays you're not doing all the things mm. necessarily you're not having any savings <laughs> um you're not paying off the mortgage necessarily as much as you want to sure but you know you can handle it and then you're both united in the fact that you know you want to be parents and you'll do anything to have this much wanted child Mm. um and then sort of the reality of raising a children a child and Mm -hmm. putting them through school and then if you want number two and then you have to go through that whole process again which again expensive yeah it's been a financial stress on us Mm. um and yeah i'm not gonna lie i'll our relationship has had some rocky roads, mm. but you know where we work through it every day. We just do the best we can, and That's it. Um, and we're a united mm. um, force through it, and mm. mm-hmm. um, for our kids as well. Mm.
0: It, yeah, the unification. I think that you have to be a team. You know, no matter what comes at you as a couple, but I imagine <sighs> under some conditions like that would we say that life kind of challenge that involves both of you and I was curious too Vicky about the process for you um, and maybe your partner as well like of realizing that you're you while you give will give birth and this is your child that biologically you know speaking what is that like to kind of I don't know where does that sit in your head was that really difficult or is it
1: you, yeah yes. it's in the early mm. in the early days when you've just got this precious baby mm. you're wondering how you're going to navigate it all mm. um so it's really not until you mm-hmm. until they're getting older and you're having lots of different conversations with people yeah. you know some might say oh you know Gee, she didn't get any of you because like they do look exactly like my husband oh. um <laughs> and And in the beginning, it was just like, "Mm, yeah, do I I tell this person the whole story or do I just like, oh, yeah, just pass, you know, just ignore it. Um, But then every now and again, depending on who they are, then I'll say, yeah, well, you know, they were conceived through egg donation. I wasn't able to have my biological children. So it just depends on who they are. If I'm going to have that sort of conversation with them to make them aware or whether I'm just going to let it go. Mm, And, mm. um, yeah, so it's just kind of a case by case basis but Mm -hmm. I'm more than happy to own the fact that no they're not my biological children they know they're not and Mm -hmm. and that's fine and I think Mm -hmm. that you know in a way I'm respecting you know the the wonderful woman that is my egg donor as well Mm -hmm. by making her a part of the conversation Mm -hmm. because I think there's there is a lot of people out there that choose not to tell their children and that's that's their choice Mm -hmm. but I felt for me that I wanted to really you know, honour her in that way, and just mm. make sure that the kids were aware that um, that they've, mm. you know, a, a result of this amazing woman that mm-hmm. you know didn't have to do this. Didn't mm. it was you know totally off, uh, you know, not paid for, and wow. you know, there's a lot of time that goes into it. You know, oh, sure. all the blood tests Mm -hmm. um and then obviously having the fertility treatments and the egg pickup and the recovery from egg pickup because that can be really brutal oh really um yeah yeah, it's a lot of there there can be Mm. a lot of pain associated after that with you know lots of cramping and Mm. sometimes there's the risk of you know hyperstimulation Mm. of the ovaries Mm. and that adds another complication Mm. so yeah so yeah it's a big process and Her view was always of, well, it's just, you know, it's just a bunch of cells. It's just like giving blood. Yeah. But there's actually a lot of physical um, aspect and um, time that goes into it as well. Mm. What
0: do you say to your children? When did you start having conversations? There's some
1: wonderful, wonderful books. Yes. So actually, my egg donor gave me a beautiful book to read to Zoe. Yes. And I haven't read it to read a book to levi because it's always kind of been i guess part of the conversation when it comes up anyway so he kind of he knows anyway yeah. but i want to get more of a you know a boy one i guess for, uh-huh. for him yeah, yeah um but there's it's a pretty little um oh this the book I, that i've got would suit levi as well yeah. um but it's this story of two bunnies and one bunny couldn't have mm-hmm. children so another bunny gave her seeds and they put these t- oh. So the the boys, yeah, um, bunny seeds were put with the um, the other bunny seeds, and they put it in the other bunny's tummy, and yeah, it's just a beautiful story. Oh, and yeah. yeah, it was. I'm not going to lie, reading that story to her for the first time because I think she, I think she was about two when I mm-hmm. read that to her because you know the certain level of understanding. Yeah. And um, oh man, I bawled afterwards. Mm. Like it was, but it was such a huge. Mm. I guess. Um, closure as well that i've i've told you like the words are out there yeah and every now and again she'll she'll bring it up um and it's just i think it's just it'll they won't remember when they were told and that's yes. what i wanted yes. to just always be part of their knowledge yeah um Very and normal. that's yeah yeah Yeah. yeah and i think and they know uh, some of the other kids that we hang out with that are, have been conceived the same way yeah. um yeah yeah, so they'll just have that familiarity with with them as well, but mm. and they they're all aware as well of their situation. So, yeah. you know, it's it's great to not have to feel like you're keeping a secret yeah. and that you're keeping a secret from your children or other children as well. It's mm. all out in the open, which mm. is um, it's just a better way to live life. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I imagine that would potentially be a bit of a burden, but
0: I suppose, like you were saying, it's up to Every individual yeah. and every family, you know that that's that's a choice that they make. But uh, it sounds like a kind of a relief for you once you kind of broke the news, so to speak, through the bunny story. That is so beautiful. Kind of. Um, yeah,
1: there are some beautiful books, really beautiful books. Did they and have they met
0: her? Have they met the egg? Donor? Yes, Yay. yes, they have. Yeah, yeah.
1: And um, she doesn't live close by now, mm. but we were actually due to have a catch up just before for covid so we've got oh. to get that catch up back on the books but yeah they had they had a wonderful time i was spending some time with her and yeah. no doubt you know she enjoyed seeing them too yeah. but we're on facebook together so it's yeah. kind of you know we, we see what's happening in each other's lives anyway
0: mm-hmm. yeah that's yeah it, it sounds so beautiful like it's all there's these great little connections and kind of honoring of the process and the people involved and you know it's it's all all sort of um, out in the open, you know, it's not a big secret. Yeah. And like you said, you you know, if somebody sort of makes a comment about the the physical appearance of your children, you mm. just it's just a kind of a do I tell this person, do I not? But that, I think that's that's interesting in itself that you don't really know who's gonna say what or not, and then do you say anything or not? You know, it's I imagine that's does it catch you off guard sometimes, or, or, um, or I'm, are you
1: kind of used I'm to it? I'm a bit more used to it now, but in the yeah. beginning, yeah, it was. It was yeah. a little tricky to navigate, but mm. I mean, yeah, it's always eight now, so yeah, it's been going on for a while. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so now it's eight fine. Years. And because and she knows, so she doesn't necessarily say anything. But if I say something, mm. and it's say and it's said with, um, you know, any shame around it, mm. you know, so it doesn't. It doesn't make her feel less than, you know, that's I think that's the most important part is Uh, making her feel like she's you know yeah. It's it's there's nothing to be shameful of the process.
0: Yeah, yeah. I suppose too I mean, I don't know, but it in what are we now, twenty twenty, there is so much variety in a family and importantly I think we have really expanded that a family is however you define a family you know and however you've come to be whether that's you know same sex parents or conception through egg donation or sperm donation or adoption or single parent whatever Advocacy. you know there is yeah. just it's so big now as it should be because i think throughout history it's probably been that like that except for egg donation obviously that you know it probably wasn't around a couple hundred years ago or a thousand years no. ago <laughs> but um so that people don't i guess what i'm what am i trying to say don't don't feel like it still has to be this very narrowly defined definition of a family
1: Mm. absolutely and i think also with blended families now that Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. um new partners if that you know whether they've been with the children from a young age or even older if they are more of the active parent um, or even you know, if the other parent is still quite active in the relationship, they're still seen as an important part of that mm. parenting circle. Mm.
0: Absolutely, yeah. To do it. Yeah, it's yeah, it's whatever you make it, I suppose. Absolutely. Um. Oh, what am I going to ask now? Like, what I guess in terms of what helped you the most during the struggle to i'm going to use the word struggle you know it was a struggle <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um you mentioned like the the online support groups being mm-hmm. really really key um and i i, I assume your your partner as well is there any other things that you did or you know that were particularly useful or not useful like what ah uh, um mm.
1: I think definitely the online support group mm. was probably the biggest thing that got me through it yeah. and, uh, you know, and all those women and even, you know, there's some um, some donors that I became really good friends with, you know, that are sort of um, over east but we're still friends on Facebook and Instagram and yeah, yeah. they're just such special people in my life because oh, we had such a great... Relationship and network of support. Um, no matter whether it was someone donating or, um, mm. you know, someone being a recipient, it was mm. it was. We were just there for every cycle and every mm. hurdle that they came across. Every loss. Um, mm. You know, there was even cancer journeys in there amongst all of that. So we mm. were just a, a really strong um, network of women at that time. Mm. So that was probably the the thing that really got me through because they all understood, mm, um, mm. you know, day to day in my own life, I think it was being focused on the end goal right. really, yeah. you know, it was trying to do whatever self-care that I could do, whether that was, Mm -hmm. um, you know, having a massage or Mm -hmm. having acupuncture Mm -hmm. or um, exercise, Mm -hmm. meditation,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: um, just trying to get out of my own head, I guess. Um, And uh, I had worked full-time as well. So that was, you know, Mm -hmm. that's one way to distract yourself with (laughs) with busy jobs. Um, (laughs) But, but yeah, I think the biggest, the key component is, you know, if, if, anyone listening is going through something similar, don't be um, shut off to mm-hmm. the support of other women. Mm. Yeah. yeah.
0: I just love hearing that. You know, I think, I mean, I guess it's kind of the point of this podcast. It's The podcast is for absolutely anyone to listen to, you know, whatever. Great. Awesome. But um, the uniqueness really of um, women and our, our journeys and our struggles and our bodies um excuse me that only women really can understand you can only truly understand that like i can't directly understand your experience uh but there are other women out there like i said who do and there's such power in that you just you just have to i think connect with those women and there's something almost spiritual i think and primal uh, about that for women coming together that's that's very empowering in its in itself you know that's what I'm hearing. Absolutely, from you. it
1: comes back to that, mm. you know, creating your own village and yes, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. I mean, it's so true, mm. and it takes a village sometimes for a woman to get pregnant these days. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that you know, there's no, um there shouldn't be any shame involved with mm. uh, any infertility in infertility um, challenge, and mm. you know, I think that there's still unfortunately a lot around that, but mm. I think with like podcasts like this and more conversations happening Mm. that this is just the way that it is in our society um and I think we just need to have really frank and open conversations Mm. and make it okay to talk about Mm. and you know and in particular you know to talk about our menstrual cycles as well and to talk about that with our um children as well and Mm. yeah I just think there needs to be more conversations without any awkwardness and shame because it's just a physical process. Like, yeah, yeah, there shouldn't be that shame that's been around that for so long and and I think better conversations also about Mm. um, pregnancy and conception and, Mm. um, yeah, that's Uh, a whole other conversation. Yeah,
0: (laughs) it is. The shame thing, I think shame is very silencing, you know, and uh, discourages conversations when we're still embedded in shame. It, it promotes secrecy, really, you know, and um, it's very disempowering, I suppose, as well. It uh, is. What, I'm curious, like, what's what your thoughts on why, particularly around infertility, that there is shame around that for women? What What do you think that's about?
1: Well, I think because it's not until you're actually faced with an infertility struggle that you actually realise mm. that there is actually a lot of people struggling with fertility and you're educated in the fact that it is so easy to fall pregnant and, you you know, you've got to be on birth control or, you know, you've got to be careful, blah, blah, blah. Um, So then you think that it's just going to be an easy process to Mm -hmm. become a mother when you want to become one and when you can't, Mm -hmm. you feel that there's something wrong with you, Mm. what did I do in this lifetime or half-life or Mm. you know and I just think that that's when a lot of the secrecy comes about because Mm. women don't necessarily want to share to the world that they've had to have their children in a different way to perhaps Mm. members of their family or friends who you know you quite often hear that comment oh I just have to look at my husband and I fall pregnant Mm. you know there's still a lot of those conversations happening and when you're struggling with with fertility Mm. you don't feel like you can have a conversation with those people because they're not going to understand what you're going through so then that's when the silence is
0: yeah
1: um is kept and Mm. which is really sad because you have to deal with those emotions at some stage it is going to come up and bite you on the bum so (laughs) yes it is (laughs) yeah you gotta be you gotta let go of that shame and there's nothing to to feel shameful about and i think it's you know the, the conversation is a lot better these days in the fact that, especially on Instagram, there's a lot of yeah. people that are vocal about their um, trying to conceive journey. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so that's fantastic. But yeah, but there's still a lot of work to be done. Mm. And um, yeah, mm. uh, what I kind of heard a
0: bit there as you were talking uh, was like the concept of of blame and blaming yourself when you said, when you said you know kind of start question what i'd done in this life or last life or my past life or whatever you know whatever yeah. one chooses to, to believe but i'm like ooh, interesting and painful and kind of is punishing there was i i kind of thought wow what you know but that makes sense to me that you would question absolutely everything what what did you go through that i guess why me what's this about what have i done wrong or should i not have been on the pill like i'm like I would have kind yes. of gone there, I imagine. <coughs> it, I probably would have felt pretty pissed off, to be to be yep. honest. Yeah. What <laughs> did you go through that? I mean,
1: yeah. I mean, I think because, as I said before, I had a beautiful period. So if yeah. I had not been on the pill, I would have, if anything was starting to go awry, mm. my body would have been able to tol- tell me if I had a skipped a period or if I had become more painful or I was starting to to clot or Mm. whatever the case may be, I'd be like, okay, well, this needs to be investigated. Yeah. And I did have a little bit of a warning sign. I remember going off the pill for a break. You know, Mm -hmm. there's that thing when you're on the pill, you should have a break. Mm -hmm. Um, It doesn't really help you that much having a break. But (laughs) anyway, I went off the pill um, just before we were due to get married. So I was about 25. So I'd been on the pill for about uh, five years or so. Yeah. And it was about three months. My period didn't come back. Mm. So I went to my GP and he's like, oh, yeah, no, that's totally normal. Just go back on the pill. Mm. Little did I, and you'll get your period back. Little did I know that, well, it's not actually a period. It's just a bleed. But no, it isn't normal. And, you know, your period should have returned sooner than that. And at that point, if I had been referred to someone else, maybe some things could have been done but i've i've dived a lot deeper now on ovarian failure and i still think Mm -hmm. you know if i hadn't have come across the right practitioner i still would probably wouldn't have gotten to the bottom of it but hey maybe my levels were at a certain point where i could still have had ibs because Mm -hmm. there are women that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. are faced with you know creeping up um fsh which is your follicular stimulating hormone Mm -hmm. so that's the message from your brain to your ovaries Mm -hmm. to produce an egg so my when it's really high that means that your body is not responding your brain's telling your body to do the work yeah and body's like no not doing it so my fsh when i was um, first diagnosed was 67 so that's when they you know the ivf doctors look at it and go yep there's no way that you're going to respond to medic respond to medication wow. but who knows back then maybe it would have been lower and there would have been some chance to you know um do something with mm-hmm. my eggs or they could have you know seen what was going on with my ovaries mm-hmm. um but yeah so there was a little bit of a, a warning sign there how do you how do you where
0: um, how do i say this like how did you process that like looking back that there was potentially a window of opportunity but it wasn't mm. picked up by the by the doctor and you didn't know better why would you know why would you, of course like yep. yeah
1: <laughs> it's hard it's a process mm-hmm. yeah it's it goes along with that that grief and yeah uh, yeah. yeah. I don't know I mean I obviously come to terms with it a lot better now but yeah, for a long time. Wow. Like I couldn't even talk about the um, the conversation that that doctor had at that time telling me that I had LL menopause. Like I couldn't even talk to anyone without bursting into tears. But oh, I've done yeah. a lot of work through a particular technique, uh-huh. um, a neuro- neurological technique to mm-hmm. um, to try and release that trauma. Yep. Um, but, yeah, I look back at that situation and I think, but the journey that I'm on now and yeah. what I'm been doing in the past few years Mm. um has has meant that hopefully no one other Mm. other women can learn from what i've gone through yep and maybe they will question those doctors and they will listen to their bodies a bit differently and um Mm. yeah so hopefully they don't have to have to face what what i went through but yeah yeah there's there's messages out of every mess, so, and that's that's where I'm at now.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what, I guess on that note, what have you learned about yourself through this whole journey? Like, <laughs> how would you put words to that? Have you learned stuff, stuff about yourself, you know?
1: Um, I, I think it's more of a not so much on an emotional level, mm-hmm. but more on a, a physical and environmental level, ah. like really how important it is for us to look after ourselves with our health, what we're putting in us, what we're putting on us, mm. people that we're hanging around, mm-hmm. you know, our mindset and stressful jobs and, yeah. you know, that, that whole those you know individual situations it's you've got to really assess it and Mm. yeah I and I think this year in particular has made us realize that even more you know um, we've just got to look after ourselves Mm. and put ourselves first Mm. and I think that we we tend to not do that um, Mm. as women in general but in this day and age we we're we are sort of last on the list but yeah i think that's probably the biggest takeaway is um is that the more the physical and environmental aspect of how we're Mm. we're living our life and that's what i'm imposing on you know my kids and my family so that you know um my children have to hopefully don't have to you know face any fertility issues and um you know early puberty is such a prolific thing at the moment you know i'm mm. really mindful of of that with zoe and mm-hmm. uh yeah so i, I just mm. I, I think it's it's education really because mm. until we come across someone that's been through my situation you wouldn't know yeah that that is even a possibility and mm. that, you know someone could have ovarian failure if it, you know unless they were born yeah with ovaries or some other um gynecological issue mm. um yeah, but mm. so that's what I try and do is just yep. be open about the journey and, yep. and it, hope that it helps. Yeah,
0: it sounds like really encourage uh, taking hold of your kind of your health and your body. Um, I think that, oh gosh, you know, that's such a, ho- a huge topic in itself, particularly for, <laughs> for, for women. In I think we're in this such an interesting time in history where uh For women, you know, that um, I say this a lot and I believe this a lot that, you know, and I'm genuinely grateful to be alive right now and to have the choices and options and um, including being on the pill and all these kinds of things. Uh, Mm -hmm. And yet, personally for me, I haven't been on the pill for many years because I'm like, I feel like we're still... a we're like guinea pigs in that sense um and it's that's very hard you know because i'm like i said i'm I'm very grateful because i think it has freed up women enormously from the the burden quite frankly of unwanted pregnancies after pregnancy after pregnancy and all that stuff and not being able to educate ourselves and all that kinds of stuff on the other hand what is happening to our bodies like like you've said so beautifully you know uh, that was perhaps masking something underneath, and that pe- I wrote mm. you this here periods are our dashboards. Is that what you said? Yes.
1: Yeah. That's and I'm right. like,
0: oh my God, that is just brilliant, you know, kind of thing. But we never talk about that. We, well, re- rarely. I think there's much more of that conversation now. But I really like even, um, you know, that there's like period, uh, if we're talking about period, period undies and like a, a menstrual cupboard, which I've just bought, I haven't used it yet because. Yep. That to me is, and a lot. Of, I think for a lot of women, it's like, oh, that's a bit gross. But I'm like, that's you, that's your body, that's your process. We actually need to see and feel that, to to be honest. Absolutely. There's a lot like of energy that
1: comes with that as yes. well. And if we're not yep. letting that flow flow. Yes, literally flow. <laughs> then fly. that has its own ramifications. And, mm. yeah, I used toxic, Yeah, you know. Sure laden tampons for years and you know knowing what I know now Mm. there's no way on Mm -hmm. this earth you know I'm going to be letting Zoe do anything like that to her body but you know there are a lot of people that still do it because they aren't aware and they haven't been involved in those conversations but you know it's great that the cups and the undies and Mm. all of those things are now um becoming more mm. uh, uh common so that mm. you know women have a have the choice to do that um but yeah even you know sanitary pads you know it's mm. toxic cotton and it's mm. right there yep in your delicate part yep. you know our body absorbs everything that it touches mm. so um yeah no so that's great I'm glad that you brought that up because yeah and as i said there's a lot with that that energy that, that feminine energy of you know, stopping that blood flow, yes. stopping
0: that yeah. energy. Yeah, and, and how damaging that can be. You know, but I think it's like I, I, just I picked mine up at Woolies. So I'm like, look at that mainstream. Like, yeah, like, I was like, go Woolies. I know I was really impressed actually with a with a big you know conglomerate supermarket chain. I was like, oh well, yes. you know, some put points there. Kudos to you, whoever made Absolutely. that decision. I don't know if it's in every Woolies, but um, yeah. There's a really good. I haven't listened to her yet, but there's a good podcast by Lucy Peach. She's based in Perth. I think she's. Mm-hmm. A, I think she's a musician, but she's also very much about um, women. And ha- I think her um, podcast is all about periods. I think she talks all about um, periods and empowerment and stuff like that. I'm really not articulating that well, but there, there is absolutely podcasts That's and women great. out there doing all that kinds of stuff. And, like, as a not a side hustle for me, but as a side interest, I suppose I'm kind of sitting in some of that weird, like, yoni empowerment kind of stuff. Because as I've gotten older, I'm in my mid 40s too. I'm just like, what is this shit going on? Like, wait a second, you know, like, (laughs) because I think too, because we are we our biology is hidden, you know, so we cannot help that. We're born with that, and like, you wouldn't know if you've having. Any kind of like you said, ovary problems or what if you've been born with ovaries is just this assumption. Ooh. And until something goes wrong, potentially, you know, later in your life. And if we're shoving things up there because we're like, Ew, I don't want to see that," or somebody else finds it gross. How on earth are we supposed to know? And I'm like, this just contributes to women being suppressed. You know, that's my little theory. Absolutely. But I'm like,
1: this is not cool. This is not cool no. at all. We need to be and talking about it. And I think with, uh, you know, the other, like mm. with the pill and mm. um, IUDs and all those sorts of things, yep. it should come along with information yes. about how, what the, it's basically a female, female form of castration, mm-hmm. which in turn upsets our gut health as well and deprives our body of a lot of essential vitamins and minerals. And Mm, so I think there just needs to be a conversation of, okay, if you go on this sort of medication, well, this is the types of things that you need to supplement or this is the types of, you know, dietary areas that you really need to focus on because Mm. that medication is going to deplete your body of those essential things for you to have a healthy body. So there just needs to be other conversations. And, you know, having said that, the type of pill that I was on... Mm -hmm. A number of women that were going through the journey at the same time as me, mm-hmm. we were on the same brand of pill. So mm-hmm. whether there's anything in that, I know. So women just need to empower themselves. That's it. At the end of the what, day, what what are you doing for the sake of convenience? Mm-hmm. That could have long term effects. Whether that's having children, mm-hmm. um, or other, you know, health implications Mm. that could arise so Mm. um, I think there just needs to be a bit better of a conversation around that and also with respecting our cycles and yes seeing it as a dashboard but also what is our body going through every month and what exactly do I need to do to nourish and Mm -hmm. protect that um, sacred time really so yeah there's lots of you know things with Certain food at certain times of your cycle, and certain activities, and certain social aspects. You know, it's really getting in tune with that, like mm-hmm. you know, the way that the moon oh, absolutely. cycles are. So, yeah, yeah I think um, kind of lost. That. We've lost a touch yeah. with yeah. a lot of that. So, yeah. I think that that's something for women to consider as well. Is yeah. um, this the cycles of the period is to be valued? Yeah i i i would value money <laughs> if, <laughs> if i had them
0: yeah. mm, i know yeah i like like you were saying i think we the convenience factor and i don't know that's fraught because we live in an age of i don't know convenience and shortcuts and rush 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 and and in a way that's really great but in another way it's it's not and it's it's great that we have the internet. We can talk to other women. I'm like this is – there's is so much potential now and there are a lot of conversations and, uh, and awareness but at the same time there's there's still a lot of, um, yeah, the convenience or, or the uh, I still don't want to go there or um, it's just not the way it's done or, or yeah. my partner um, thinks this is gross
1: or something like that and you're like,
0: well, you need to
1: – Yes. Yes, and the Band-Aid approaches as well. A Band-Aid as approach, sort of yes. Just coming back around to that, your purity dashboard. And yes, yes. if the doctor says, well, let's just put you on the pill, well, that's not getting to the root cause of what's going on. It's yeah. just going to mask and hide. So. Yeah.
0: I think yeah. I think in that notion with doctors, um, doctors are, are, in many ways are fantastic and I'm so grateful for Absolutely. medicine yes. and all that stuff. However, they're not um, – you know just just like you were saying you know get a second opinion a third opinion a fourth opinion and not necessarily from the medical profession that's what they're trained in they're trained to look at the body and that that great awesome thank you yes have a look because there's something going wrong but is this yeah. is there other what about my mind what about my spirit or my energy you know like that's so so because I, I i think like you said you listen to yourself i think you know you know i think um well, you know when somebody says to you, "I'll just go on this," and you have this little, oh, you know, this, this this is subtle, it's there. If it's not going to work for you, you will something will go off in your body. But often we're yes. like we don't listen to it. And that, I think there's many thousands of reasons for that, but you, you yes. just 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 kind of sit with that, I think, and you know, wherever that leads you. Absolutely.
1: To. Yeah. Absolutely. And if you go on something, you know, mm-hmm. for example, I went on Mm -hmm. Um, synthetic hormones when i was first Mm -hmm. um, diagnosed basically hrt oh
0: yes yeah
1: but i'm like that doesn't really sit well with me Ah, as a relatively young woman and all of the health implications that we're aware of about HRT Mm -hmm. and you know that caused me to look for other alternatives and thankfully Mm -hmm. you know I found out about you know bioidentical hormones Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and things like that so yeah if something's not sitting with you then yeah you definitely
0: definitely Mm -hmm. shouldn't
1: feel any um, Mm. uh, shame in speaking up and being your own advocate. Yeah yeah I think that's such a that's such a key
0: point and I think if you struggle to do that maybe take someone along with you who can Mm. even if they say nothing but they're physically there and they can just kind of support you or if you I don't know you have little notes for yourself just to kind of go no this is the questions I want to ask or uh, anything like that because it can be um, daunting, I think, to, oh, to absolutely go in and absolutely. confront a medical professional, not confront, but it can, feel, it can feel confronting as all hell when you're like, I'm, yeah, not, I'm yeah. not so sure if I should do that. And they're like, oh, come on, you know, and then they're like, well, I'm not going to help you then. You know, So sometimes that happens. Well, if you don't do this, then I
1: can't help you and see you later. And
0: you're like backed into a corner.
1: Yes, that's right. And a lot of um, people don't feel like then they can find another practitioner. But... You should because at the end of the day, you're the client. Absolutely. You're paying for a service. Yes, so if we forget that. So you're not that. happy with it, go somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> so you're fine, and there are. There are loads of great practitioners out there yeah. that really are, um, you know, taking the time to sort of delve into some root causes. Mm. But there's a lot of practitioners that, gosh, they, ha- they have to see so many people. You come oh. in with a problem, you know, yes. a solution is to give you a script and... Sure. Sure. They they think that that that's that's how they're trained. That's what they're yeah. trained to do. So I think for us to expect any more from mm. them is somewhat mm. unrealistic and unfair. And I think that we just need to take it. Good point. You know that that power back ourselves.
0: Yeah. Um, like you said, did you say you saw a, is it an integrative doctor? Is that what you mentioned Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So what yep. is an integrative 11.
0: doctor for those who, who might be interested? Yeah,
1: so they, they will look at other ways of testing, not just in, you know, blood serum, but also mm-hmm. they'll do a saliva test or a hair mineral analysis mm-hmm. just to try and get an idea of what exactly is going on in the body and what pathways perhaps skipping mm-hmm. a beat. Mm-hmm. And then they will look at... Uh, whether it's um, you know a, a specific pill that's made up with mm-hmm. essential minerals or vitamins mm-hmm. based on what your body needs, um, you know, there's other um, functional doctors, integrated doctors that will do hypnotherapy or other modalities mm-hmm. like that as part of mm-hmm. the healing process. So it's just a bit more in-depth, right. investigative, and looking at. Um, you know supplements alongside yep. even you know a, um, a prescription mm-hmm. it's it's just a bit more of a um, a whole body focus
0: uh-huh. so that so that is still a, a medical doctor like a gp but they've had they other are. training they've just a voluntarily special training, special training that they've, they've yeah. wanted to go and do like like with any doctor you go and kind of specialize or you have your interest kind of thing and they, they yes. do exist they are around Mm,
1: absolutely we've got some really good ones in perth too so Mm. there's lots of lots of avenues out there and but now with the the internet the way that it is which wasn't necessarily yes when i was on this journey yeah but now everyone does skype consults, and you can get saliva tests sent to you and you can do chop off, you know, do your own hair and mineral analysis and you yeah, go and get your blood cool. test from your GP and they can re- review the results and mm. poo tests and yes. wheat tests and all those things. So it doesn't really matter. Like if you yeah. connect with a practitioner anywhere around the world,
0: mm. they'll generally oh, look
1: after you. Yeah. Uh, connection,
0: I think that that's a very good point. That that shows up in um, therapy, like in counselling. You have to have a good connection with your therapist, otherwise it's mm. not going to work. But exactly the same with your medical professional. You have to feel like they kind of get you, they respect you. They're not going to, f- I don't know, ignore you or shove their whatever down your throat kind of thing. You have yeah. to feel like, you, and that can be hard. I think that it's so hard to find a good GP who you're like, ah, oh, they, they're listening to me they're listening to me that's all we want yes yeah
1: yes absolutely
0: yeah um vicky we're at an hour we've been talking for an yeah. hour Yay!
1: Great. <laughs>
0: <laughs> thank you so much i know we've kind of deviated off but i i think that's all part of it i think that's really important the things we've ended up talking about in terms of women's bodies really and w- women's voices um yeah. in relation to fertility and periods and all, all of that kind of stuff as well as yes where we started with your journey uh, yep. and where you've ended up with two beautiful children. I'm so yes. um, so honoured to have you talk about that. And I'm I'm so re- relieved it, it turned out well for you and you're, you're a mum of two kids. I mean, that's a miracle. That's wonderful. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Very lucky. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Vicky. Pleasure.
1: Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. You're welcome. You're welcome. All right. All right.
0: You've been listening to The Hidden World of Women, the podcast brought to you by Women's Health and Wellbeing Services. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube by looking up Women's Health and Wellbeing Services. You can also find us at our website www.whws.org.au. Bye.